it doesn't matter at the end of the day if I'm not, uh, you know, 100% close to 100%. It don't matter, you know, where we land, you know. So, um, you know, that's my mindset. And, um, you know, if this happens to uh, we end up at sixth or fifth or, or, or whatever the case may be, or if we end up in the, you know, the playoff, uh, whatever that thing, uh, need to be fired. Um, but whatever. May 4th, episode 58, the Hezzy, basketballgods.net. That was none other than the King LeBron James just showing his distaste for this play-in tournament. And it's starting to cause a little bit of controversy here where the trend is these teams that are fighting to stay out of it that are in, you know, the 5th, 6th, 7th spot, most of the players asked about it are like, oh, this play-in tournament's a terrible idea. Why are we doing that? This is silly. I understand it. I understand LeBron's perspective. And uh, even the Laker fan base, I'm sure a lot of you are like, well, this play and this is whack, right? That's cool. But I think on the other side of it, if you look at things objectively, if you just take a step back, it's undeniably great for the league. It's allowing us to see players from lesser teams and how they perform under some pressure under, quote, playoff-like atmosphere, right? This final 10 days of the season, these final two weeks, all these games have meaning for teams that in the past would have had no meaning for. And how long does it take sometimes to see a young player in a playoff-like atmosphere? Sometimes it takes five seasons if they're on a bad team, right? I think the big picture, that's what I'm enjoying about it most. And it, to me, it's just undeniable that it's here to stay like it or not. And so, yeah, I get it. If you're if you're one of these teams, if you're the Lakers, right, or you're Portland or something like that, you don't like it, that's cool. But objectively, step back and say, hey, it is what it is because it's here to stay. So going from there, ESPN leads off with this big Warriors-Pelicans game, both these teams fighting for a play-in spot. There was on ESPN2 a, a Marvel telecast so I was like, all right, let me check this out. What's going on with this Marvel, you know, Captain America, Zion? And it lasted 90 seconds. They were putting these little comic graphics up on the screen. And yeah, I get they're trying to pull in a younger audience. Wasn't for me. Wasn't for me. So I switched back over to the normal ESPN telecast. Big playoff game, do or die for the Pelicans. And they just came out flat. It was a 17-point Steph Curry barrage in the first quarter. Draymond had his imprint all over this game, especially in that early run where, you know, there was just a lot of strip and rips and defensive plays at the rim. And the Pelicans, I mean, they didn't even look like they really wanted to be there, man. I was, I mean, how many layups did they miss? I was watching Lonzo out there and I, I'm trying to figure out why is Lonzo such a poor finisher? Lonzo is awful when he gets into the paint. I've got a couple reasons why. One, he always comes to a two-footed plant, which in the NBA is Unless you're very big, that's not going to work out for you because it allows the help defense to recover. And then two, if you notice, he doesn't really change pace once he gets into the paint. He doesn't decelerate. Once you've put one foot in the paint, usually you've got to decelerate, right? You have to slow down so you can finish, use the glass, perhaps change directions. And Lonzo's kind of like a spaz. He just he, he bolts into the paint at full speed, plants on two feet, and then usually puts up some sort of trash. Austin Rivers is very much like that. I don't know if it's a light-skinned thing or what, but 
there's two crazy stats about Zion that don't get enough publicity. It's funny what stats ESPN likes to pump, right? But Zion has been blocked more than any player in the league, and it's by a long shot. When you watch him play, it's very understandable because he does this thing where he hangs and then he finishes late. It's funny how he jumps and his, his knees don't bend. He keeps his, his legs straight. He hangs, and then he has this variety of flip shots. Great touch around the basket, right? But you can see how it gets blocked a lot because a lot of the times he's letting the ball go like almost before he comes down, like he's almost hitting the ground. But then the other stat that contrasts that that was just shocking to me is when you combine layups and dunks, he has 150 more than the next player in the league, and that's Giannis. 150 more layups and dunks than Giannis. That's crazy, man. He is he is dominating the paint like we've never seen since Shaq. So, but you know, the block thing, you just wonder, uh, because you saw it happen early in that first quarter where Draymond and Toscano coming over the help defense, he he wasn't getting up clean looks. The other thing I noticed about this new point Zion Pelicans lineup is to me, what it appears to do is it kind of makes Ingram fall back. Is Ingram a little salty that the ball is out of his hands now a little bit? Because it seems like he he kind of maybe loses interest. You, you're not getting it as an aggressive, engaged Brandon Ingram when he's off the ball as much as he is now. So that's the cost of that. And we'll talk a little bit about, about them moving forward here. But Steph, another huge, what do you have, 41 in the game, man, leading the league in scoring. You know what I realized how spoiled he's made me watching him is I don't know about you, but when he misses like two or three in a row, I'm like, what's going on? Steph's off. What? He, he just missed. And then I look at the stat sheet and I'm like, oh, no, no he has like eight threes. Oh, my bad. He, I guess he can miss a couple. It's like you almost are shocked when he misses. He can miss one, but when he misses two in a row, like I'm like, what's going on? He's off. <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts that the expectations that we have when we're watching greatness. But again, shout out to Draymond, big triple-double in that game. And I'm going to talk more about his impact in the breakdown today. So they play again tonight in this back-to-back, and now what are they, four games out? You're either going to get an all-hands-on-deck effort from the Pelicans tonight where they go all out and just run the Warriors off the floor, or they're going to just not even show up and roll over from the tip. There's not going to be any in-between, I think, with this, this Pelicans team here tonight. I can't call it. I don't know. I, I feel like they've got one last fight in them here. So maybe they will roll the Warriors tonight. But ultimately, you know, the Pelicans, I've talked about it a little bit before. They've got to tear it down, right? You've got Zion and who? Who else stays? I understand Ingram is now on a max deal. He doesn't really fit, right? Because he wants the ball in his hands. Van Gundy is going to be one and done, it looks like. It's not like they have built something up that they've got to tear it down necessarily, but I think they've kind of got to recalibrate here around Zion with obviously more shooting. And so what do you do? You know, Lonzo Ball's not going to be back. I'm looking at the trade machine. How about something like Brandon Ingram for Miles Turner and TJ Warren? Now, they still have Steven Adams on the books next year, but he's in his final year. You could probably move off him. Miles Turner, a stretch big and a rim protector. Seems like he would be an ideal fit next to Zion. TJ Warren, you know, he's been out all year with the plantar fasciitis, but he's another score. What I'm getting at here is that I think they may have to move Brandon Ingram. I mean, you can't do it for pennies on the dollar. I would, you know, I'm not saying get desperate about it, but it doesn't seem to fit. And if you could surround Zion with a better fit with talent of that same caliber, 
I think that they have to consider doing it moving forward. Warrior fans, I know this is probably maybe a little bit of an inside joke with me and my patrons here, but I'm going down my Twitter feed and Damian Lee calling Juan Toscano Juanito is the funniest thing I've heard all year. If day-to-day in practice, D. Lee is like, Juanito hit the three, Juanito. I was dying, man, calling him Juanito. But Juan T, post-game, what I was getting at, I forgot, is Toscano, he had this quote. He was trying to use a boxing analogy in comparing Mike Tyson to Steph Curry. Didn't really hit. It didn't really hit, but I got what he was saying, right? Essentially, Steph has devastating knockout power, right? The fear of him putting you away in the blink of an eye is a real thing, a la Mike Tyson. And so is the confidence of having it on your side, is what Juan was basically saying, right? Like, look, man, I got Mike Tyson in my corner for this fight. Like, he could put you out at any minute, and the fear is real. It's devastating. And and we've seen it, especially over the last few weeks, where he explodes in a seven, eight minutes. You can look on the faces of the other team, and it's just demoralizing. It's devastating. It's a knockout punch. Now, another play-in matchup out east was this Wizards-Pacers matchup where they're, they look like they're going to play each other in the 9-10 the spot, and so we'll see. But the Pacers just couldn't keep up with this Wizards pace, man. Russell Westbrook, 14 points, 21 rebounds, and 24 assists as he continues to stack up the records, right? These triple-double records. Again, I bring up the pace that the Wizards are playing at, and so that therefore kind of inflates the numbers. But hey, Russ is doing it. He's pushing that pace. I think what you're seeing is Rui Hachimura is really thriving in that pace as well as that young kid they picked up from Chicago, Gafford, right? Those two young forwards slash bigs, they're athletic enough. They like to run the floor, and it's getting them a lot of easy baskets. Here's Scotty Brooks postgame. I mean, everybody's described in so many different ways. I've been fortunate to see him for eight years do a lot of things that are pretty much superhuman at times. Point guards don't do what he does. He's no, they're not built that way. They're, there might be some that can probably shoot better. There might be some that probably can do a certain things better, but there's nobody in the history of the game that can do what he does throughout the stat sheet. I used to always say, He's going to probably go down as the third best point guard ever. But I think he's past one, and he's going to go down as probably the second best. And one is obviously magic. He's going to, what he does, there's no point guard has ever done it. Nobody. Relax, old Scotty boy. Relax. Russ isn't number two in his own generation. You see, there's this thing called rings that neither of y'all got. <laughs> now, I, I, I get the sediment. I get the sediment. Look, Russell Westbrook is one of the most unique players we have seen. And I would put him, I'd put him top 10, top 10 point guards of all time. But number two is, is uh, high-key blasphemous. I think we can all agree with that. I understand he's trying to heap praise on him. Um, yeah, all the, all the credit to Russ. But it was almost like Brooks, took that away by by getting outlandish, by by having delusions of grandeur with his all-time rankings. But anyway, you know, Washington, it, it looks like they're going to stay in that 10-9 spot against Indiana and then run them off the floor. I had brought up the Miles Turner trade because, again, Indiana's stuck in that gray area as well. 
Portland gets beat by the Hawks in Atlanta, and now they find themselves in that vaunted seventh seed out west. Oh, what it's like to be young. Trey Young, his third game back from an ankle sprain, that it looked really bad. It looked really bad. You know, everybody has these ankle sprains right now. Trey came back pretty quick. And what happened when he was gone was you saw Bogdanovich become empowered with the ball in his hands and his confidence grew with this Atlanta team. And now that they're back, they formed a nice little backcourt here where Atlanta, I think, is one of those teams that I don't think anybody really wants to see out east in the playoffs. Not that you can't beat them, but, you know, their potential. If, if, if they're hot, on a given night, I don't think it really matters. They're one of those teams that can beat anybody on a given night with their offensive firepower. So the late game, Lakers, Nuggets, all eyes are on the Lakers right now out west. And this free fall that they appear to be in here, and it showed in this game, obviously no LeBron James, and they came out desperate to start this game. They get Caruso back. I thought it was funny seeing Caruso uh, matched up with Compazzo a little bit there because they play the exact same, right? They're all in your shit all the time. <laughs> Pause. And then, you know, they were starting Drummond and Coos. I bet Drummond and Coos are boys, right? They probably play Connect Four together. What I'm saying is they're they're cut from the same cloth. Two goofy-ass motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, the Lakers come out in desperation mode playing super hard, defending, and somewhat controlling the game. It was close all the way through. AD tries a Statute of Liberty dunk in semi-transition. He's coming down kind of a trailer. Jokic steps over. There's a no call. And now AD's down on the baseline behind the play, looking at every extremity on his body. I mean, you talk about precarious for, for the Lakers and just watching them minute to minute. JaVale had himself a revenge game. JaVale was out there doing things, and you could tell he was up. He had got his ring that night. Is he off the vegan diet? He looks a little a little different. I don't know. Here's my thing with LeBron and his ankle injury, though. What I noticed is, you know, during the initial injury these last two months, he's been on the sidelines the whole time, jumping up and down and coaching and celebrating and all that, the biggest cheerleader, and now he can't be there? Now he's got to rest the ankle. I don't know. I don't know. That just, that seemed interesting. Is It made me think like, is Braun devising an escape plan? He's taking a look around. He's like, yo, AD needs to play in bubble wrap. Steph looks like he's got another two, three year run in him as an MVP. I, I'm, I'm going to get about, no, nah, I'm just playing with y'all. Obviously, I think he's here to stay as a Laker to finish his career. But is there a possibility that LeBron has kind of looked at the landscape look at the the health of his roster and himself and said, hey man, maybe I'm going to shut this thing down because what's the point? Like we can make a playoff run here. We're not going to win it all. And now I'm going to have less time to recover this off season. I know it's not going to happen, but I, I just, I, I think it's something that it might be running through the back of his head. Like, man, let's just shut this shit down and get ready for next season. I did enjoy watching Aaron Gordon matched up um, with Anthony Davis. And look, man, for AG, uh, as unfortunate as the health has been for uh, Denver, was it Dozier fucking ripped his left nut out the side of his sack halfway through the game and hobbled off? I mean, the sh it, Denver, you want to talk about snake bitten, but you look at the opportunities that some of these guys are getting. We'll talk about Michael Porter Jr., but Aaron Gordon as well, right? This is a chance for him 
to show us that he is who he thinks he is. We all know he can defend, and he did a, a pretty decent job on AD, but it's like playing off Jokic, slash, cut, finish in the paint, show some playmaking out of the short roll. Like, here's your chance, dude. You're going to have the opportunity. So I thought he played all right, at least defensively. Offensively, he still, he still leaves a lot to be desired, if, to be honest with you. Watching Porter Jr., though, man, he's such an insatiable scorer. I see a lot more Mamba mentality in Porter Jr. than I do a lot of these other young players around the league. I got to say that. It was funny. Jokic had KCP on him on the block, and Porter Jr.'s calling for the ball. He's like, hey, give me the ball. He's like clapping his hands, and Jokic's like, chill, bro. Look at the matchup. Look at the matchup. He's insatiable. But the Lakers, you could tell that was their game plan, to shut Porter Jr. down. You're not going to stop the Joker. So who's the next guy you can take off the floor? Only had four points in the half. He comes out in the second half and puts AD on his back. Just goes right into his chest and knocks his ass down like a little kid. Next thing I know, Anthony Davis is on the sidelines and the trainers are looking at the fucking Achilles, man. I have to confess, I feel guilty not feeling bad. But I'll be perfectly honest and transparent with you. As a Warriors fan, it's like, I don't want this Lakers reign to go on any longer than it does. And so, you know, I don't want any more injuries, big picture. I don't. But I, I find myself, if I'm truly honest, saying to myself, like, man, pff, the Lakers fall apart. They fall apart. It's better. It's better for the Warriors. And I understand I don't want that karma on my team. But I mean, everybody's decimated. Everybody's decimated. But if you're a Laker fan, it feels like Anthony Davis isn't going to make it through this season. Like, let's just call it what it is. But he came back and he finished this game out. One thing that I will point out about Jokic and his MVP campaign that's, that's a little bit different, the Nuggets are down 10 with about three or four minutes to go. And the thing with Jokic, because of his pace that he plays with, he can't really go get a bunch of quick ones. If you're playing Steph or Dame or, or, or the Brooklyn boys, they can give you nine, 10 points in like 90 seconds. Three, 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 bang, 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 bang. So quick, right? Where in order for Jokic to get the ball where he wants and operate and score, it takes 15, 20 seconds off the clock a lot of the times. And so when they're down late, it's harder for them to work against the clock, I think. You saw Michael Porter Jr. with a big three ball was waved off. Compazzo hip-checked AD on a closeout. The, the telecast didn't like the call. To me, live, it looked like the right call. Ultimately, they had one chance to kind of tie this, and it was Mark Gasol, who I talked about JaVale and his vegan diet. I don't know what Mark's been eating, but he's been eating well. He stood up Jokic as he was trying to back him down. He just stood him up, and Jokic had to kick it out to Porter for kind of a late out-of-rhythm three. And then AD comes down the floor and closes it out. He comes to a big two-footed plant and hits a floater where he reaches back right after jumping left. Then he comes back down on the other side, and it's Compazzo for three, and AD comes flying out and blocks it. Now, is it they kind of overhyped the block, though, right? Like, was it AD being spectacular and blocking a three, or was part of it the fact that Compazzo was the size of Joe Rogan? I think it was a little bit of both. Either way, AD finished the game and closed it out in a must-win situation for the Lakers against this Nuggets team. So I'm sure Laker fans, are, you know, you're happy with the win, but big picture, in the back of your mind... <laughs> You know, it, it, it just it looks like you may not have these two stars. And then you start to say, well, what's the point? At what point do you shut them down? That's the question I ask. At what point do the Lakers fold on this season? 
this evening, I'm looking at that Brooklyn-Milwaukee back-to-back split on TNT. Hopefully, everybody's going, and we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're all curious to see how this plays out because we're all anticipating them meeting later in these playoffs. This is the Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, Joe.